When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lee Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, and this is, we believe, a six podcast week as we head into Ohio State's season opener on Saturday night against Notre Dame. We think most of the time during the season there may not be a pod here on a Tuesday morning because we'll have like a Monday morning pod to sort of get you into the week. And then we'll probably come back with like a Wednesday morning pod sort of reacting to what was said on Tuesday at Ohio State interviews. Then a Thursday morning pod that's probably more often than not going to be a rapid fire Q&A with our tech subscribers. Friday morning pod that'll preview the game. And then the Saturday post game pod. Although actually, I think we can announce it. We're going to have a gambling show. So actually, I think we're going to have six pods a week anyway, which means we're going to have seven pods this week. We're going to we're going to. The plan right now, uh, we're, we're finalizing it, but the plan is to have a gambling show um, for people who are interested in that, where we will have like a second pod that comes out late in the week. Nathan, Stephen, and I will preview the game as usual, but then we'll have a very specific gambling-oriented, if, if you want to bet out on Ohio State this week, what would that look like? What are some other interesting bets around the country? Where can you really make some dough? And I'm just going to hold back on giving you all the details on that until it's final, 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 final. But it's like eight ways to final, just waiting maybe for the ninth. But what we're going to do here today is talk about Kings of the North. And Nathan, we have been talking about this idea, this series, part one of this series about Ohio State football and its place in the college football landscape. I wrote part one that dropped on Sunday. Nathan, your part two is dropping on Tuesday. Stephen, your part three is dropping on Wednesday. Nathan, I know there was a couple people who were like, oh, my God, you guys finally wrote this thing that you wouldn't shut up about since 2019. Nathan, can you believe we actually did it? Uh, I can because it's been so long that at some point, at some point by accident, we were going to finish it, right? No. (laughs) Do you want to do you want to know? Do you want to know how many stories that I have like reported, like in my notebook that I haven't written? And I, and I still have yes. one. I got it. I, I have one. You guys know which one it is. I actually think I am going to write it this week because it's the, there's another angle because it's the hundredth year of Ohio stadium, but there are some Steven, I can remember like you need angles on the like hooks sometimes for these stories. 
I did a Father's Day story about Tony Alford. And the result of that was I woke up at six o'clock in the morning on Father's Day and finished writing the story from 6 a.m. until noon and posted it on noon on Father's Day because you can't post a Father's Day story three days after Father's Day. So sometimes the hook makes you write. Stephen, one of the things that made us finally write this is the theory of this is the Kings of the North, the battle for Northern supremacy in college football. Guess what's happened Saturday, Stephen? It's a battle in the war yeah. in the Kings of the North. So it made us, the fact that if Ohio State was opening with Oklahoma or USC or Clemson, we still might not have written this thing. But if it's like, we're not going to tie it to Ohio State, Notre Dame, when are we going to write it? Because Stephen, just to tease your part a little bit, I know there's some recruiting stuff, for instance, related directly to Ohio State, Notre Dame. That's part of what your part three is. Five-star edge rusher Keon Keeley may or may not be mentioned. He's definitely mentioned in this story. I think the most interesting thing about King of the North is I now understand what it feels like to be Kanye West putting together an album. Because oh, that makes me feel good. The, I want to be Kanye West in an the, album sense. The concept of it has always remained the same, but the characters, the words, and the idea of the rollout has changed so many times since yeah. the initial idea came to play that, quite frankly, we've got like seven different stories that can go along with the actual story that could have been written. Because there were some, when I, I still remember the first actual draft I ever written was like a year ago. And there are some things where it's like, well, this is irrelevant now. Well, this doesn't matter anymore. Well, this didn't happen. But yes, we're finally here with our Kanye West album, King of the North. Yeah. Oh, King of the North, because he named his kid North. Is that why you said it was Kanye? Because he named his kid. Does he have a kid named King also? That would be great. Maybe we could get him to tweet about this series. Um, see if we can get, I don't know. Can we get him? I'll get him on the phone tonight and I'll let yeah. you know. Okay. Uh, so, um, Nathan, I, I think I, I, I like the idea. It's one of those, it's a concept that there's some stuff here where in reporting this, and this is, this is why it's a classic, I think sort of Buckeye talk story, Nathan, a lot of the reporting of this is sort of like regurgitating the theory onto people and then saying like, you know what I mean? Or do you agree with that? And I guess the theory is something like this. Ohio State standard is to win national championships. And that includes competing with Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and everybody else in the country on a daily basis. However, I think most of us would acknowledge that there is some at least slight difference between Southern football and Northern football. I think you could look at the way the pandemic played out, the way the SEC was sort of full speed ahead and the Big 12, excuse me, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 were certainly hesitant, right? There's a way that played out. There's the way they expand and the way they talk about expanding. You know, maybe when USC and UCLA joined the Big 10, there's more library talk than there is when Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC. It's not to say one is better or one is worth. It is to say they are different, but yet, we typically hold Ohio State to the standard of competing with Georgia and Alabama and Clemson every day. Well, what if we acknowledge the idea that it's not necessarily a conference thing? Because I do think we think we, at this point we take Big Ten titles for granted with Ohio State. But what if we think it's a cultural thing? What if we look at it as a geographic thing? And that relates to recruiting bases. It relates to weather. It relates to whether the high schools in your state play spring football. 
and that kind of in the north and south, and to some degree, you can break the southwest off also, they go about it in different ways. And then if you're going to go out into the world and try to win a national championship, what you probably have to do up here is be the kings of the north first. And you have to be better at college football your way than Michigan and Notre Dame and Oregon and Penn State and Iowa State and anybody else that can't sell sunshine, that can't recruit just in their backyard and get enough top 100 players, that you kind of got to do it this northern way, and I think we know what that means. And when you talk about the kings of the north in the modern college football era, it's pretty convincingly the Ohio State Buckeyes. But guess what? There are some people in this kingdom at the moment, Cincinnati, Michigan, Notre Dame, trying to rise up against them. What do you think of that? I think I asked that question, Nathan, to somebody. Let me ask you a 1,400-word question. But you know what, Nathan? By the time you get to the end of the question, if your question is, you know what I mean, I think the answer is yeah. I don't know that there's a lot of people who are not like, what? It's like, no, I know what you're talking about. Right. I don't think that you could reasonably argue that somebody else deserves that title. I guess you could argue that the title shouldn't exist. But once you once you've decided that, okay, we're 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 working on this premise that someone is the king of the north in college football and someone is the king of the south. Alabama is the king of the south, right? There's a south. Alabama is the king of it. Yeah. There is we also broke off a southwest. I don't know if you'd say there's a king of the southwest right now. Well, it's abdicated. It because has been, frankly, yes, yeah. it is. It's supposed that, to be Texas or USC, and neither of them are getting it. Done. And they've been conquered. Right. It's mm-hmm. been abdicated to the, By the point north that and the south. Yeah. The south conquered Texas and the north conquered California. And so the, that kingdom doesn't really exist anymore. But frankly, Correct. it probably should. Correct. So right now, that's a little bit in flux. And then you have the north. And, and it's obviously Ohio State in the north. And your piece and my piece a little bit demonstrates just based on results how Ohio state is separate from the North. Like it it has actually won a national championship out of the North. It has, you know, all these other, I can't remember now. I don't have it in front of me. It's in my piece that is, is going to be on the site, like the combined score of the other North playoff teams that have gone to the playoff is atrocious. Like it's, it, you know, this Ohio state stands apart in being able to achieve at the national level. So your piece yeah, I I agree with you that it sort of just like stated a premise and then explained it. My piece then goes on into you know how that happened, and then Stevens is more how will that keep happening in the future, or will it keep happening in the future? Because you're right, there are these threats, but the threats um, are the the threats that that rose up this past year. I mean, that year was such an anomaly. It really is. You do have to be the king of the north because we've talked about before. It's not correct to think of Ohio State getting one of the four playoff spots. It's to get the one Big Ten playoff spot. And really, most years, last year was such a weird year, but last most years, it's you're getting the one North playoff spot. Yeah, like even in 2018, it was like Notre Dame took the Big Ten spot almost. Right. Right. Like Ohio right. State won the Big Ten and didn't get in. Why? Because Notre Dame got right. in. I mean, you had the one year where obviously Ohio State and Oregon played for the national championship. Oregon also in our North, the way that we split up the country, and we can maybe talk a little bit about how we split this up. But I mean, since then, was last year the first time the two North teams made it? I think I, I should have looked that up. I think. Yeah, I mean, did. the only the only Northern wins 
in the playoff era are both Ohio State and Oregon winning their semifinals in 14 and Ohio State winning the national championship and then Ohio State beating Clemson right. in the semifinal in 2020. They're only Northern wins. So um, everybody else from the North is one and nine in the playoff era. Then the one win is Oregon's over Florida State. So I, I think I think people get it. The one thing, Stephen, in the end is like, is it a crown worth having? Is it a crown worth acknowledging? And that's where I love making up things that you could put on a sash or a banner like this doesn't exist, but maybe it should. And if it did, it would be you. That they don't hang kings of the north. And by the way, can we have a two minute discussion on plural versus singular? It was like, is it king of the north? Is it kings of the north? I think we've well, done if, both it's, already. if it's the Buckeyes, then the Ohio State Buckeyes, then it's kings. But obviously we're playing off Game of Thrones and that was king. And actually, I think king in the north, maybe, but king of the north, whatever it is. That was Ned and he didn't. But Jon Snow, right? There's a version of this. It's like, you know, where it's just like Ryan Day, like in a big Jon Snow coat or that, you know, that whole that, that Jon Snow thing of him standing with his sword with like 50 people and horses riding at him. And you just put Ryan Day in that spot. We waited so long to write this that when we started talking about it, Game of Thrones was a current and relevant cultural reference. And it took us so long to actually do it that Game of Thrones is once again a, rel- a relevant cultural reference because they have a prequel of Game of Thrones that is now back on. That's how long it took because Game of Thrones went off the air in 2019. Steven, I think that's the main question. So what? Like, are there people who are going to hear this conversation or read the stories at cleveland.com slash OSU and say, cool, nice made up title, bro. So what? Or does this matter? It matters now. I think the so what had validity had we actually written this in 2019, because then it's like Ohio State is the tallest room in a room full of seven year olds. Like it doesn't really mean anything because you're supposed to be taller than everybody else if you're an adult. Now that you've added, especially USC to the equation and Notre Dame's got Marcus Freeman as his head coach, even if it doesn't join the Big Ten, if it just stays put as it is, those are two programs where if things are clicking, they can actually challenge for that title. So it's not just a title by name anymore. It feels like now there's like, there's different ways that I, I kind of outline this in my piece. There's different ways to threaten this title. You can be someone who just kind of picks at it and does just enough to keep Ohio State from not necessarily being the king of the North, but taking that crown and going to fight the king of the South. Or you can be a team who's like, I have just as much of a claim to this throne as you do, as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's what you now have with whether it's, I want one side of it with what they can do to it versus what USC Notre Dame can do to it on their side of it. So I do think we're kind of dealing with two things here at once. One is being the Kings of the North in a given year in a given era, right? You've got to be that. And then is who is best able to then go out, go in, invade the South and fight. And that clearly has been Ohio state, but Nathan, I do think again, it thankfully for us, I think it, the discussion clarified, as we see college football really dividing more so that it's almost a a line down the middle geographically North and South. And, you know, the North is squeezing into California, but also last year, you know, I didn't detail this specifically in our piece, but last year, Ohio state's whole thing was we talked about Ohio state 
in the overall war, in the national. Can We talked about Georgia defense, Ohio State offense all year. And guess what? The fact that they weren't kings of the north kept them from going out into battle in the south. And they weren't the kings of the north because, A, they lost a head-to-head showdown with Michigan. And, B, there was another northern team like waiting to take another spot that not that two loss Ohio State was going to get in, but like Cincinnati was right there ready to leap when Ohio State fell back just the slightest bit. That we It was a, a true representation of it, Nathan, of, listen, Ohio State has national championship dreams every year. But, man, if you don't defend your backyard, you're not even going to get to think about the national stuff. And last year, they were not – they weren't even the kings of Ohio last year, much less the kings of the north. And, again, I think – I think there's almost a world where, well, why are we writing this now when right now they're not? They're not the reigning kings of the North. Michigan is. Well, that's the whole point. Like, oh, it almost makes it almost more important that they've yeah. got to be that because we had been in a world where we had taken Michigan for granted on behalf of Ohio State and Clemson was the new rival and Bama was the new standard. And last year was a reminder. Yeah, I, but I still like Alabama is still the king of the South, right? Well, I think it's, still Kings so, so again, if we're going to lean into we're going to lean into Game of Thrones on this, right? King's Landing, they don't call King's Landing like the capital of the South. It's just the capital. It's the capital. Right. So Alabama is the king of college. They are the kings of college football. And then it's do you want to differentiate? Well, here's this other area that's part of the main kingdom, but they also kind of have their own king. Because up there it snows, and up there it's just a little different. And that, to me, is what we're trying to do here. It's not that Alabama is the kings of the South. They're the kings of college football. But we're saying it's just different enough in, in the North that you can be a, a different king up there while also still being part of the larger kingdom. Right. My point being, though, that like both Alabama and Georgia last year didn't have to – didn't have to win their head to head in order to still ultimately come out with a championship at the end of the season. Whereas Ohio state operates under a different scenario. Like I think it is going to have to, to win a sub championship in order to win the ultimate championship. Almost always. So put this in some game of Thrones concepts here. Cause why not? That's why that's the whole purpose of why we're doing this here. Very popular Alabama, show. Very popular. Yeah. Alabama and Georgia already live in King's landing. So there's not this extra journey to get to King's Landing. They just have to go inside the the, the, the castle and take over because they already live there. Ohio State's up in the north. They're the Starks. They first have to get to King's Landing before you even fight to take over King's Landing. And that's the difference. Yeah. That no, makes I mean, sense to you Game of Thrones listeners. I, 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 have you guys, uh, I mean, are you guys watching the, uh, the second one? I am. Yes. I have not started watching King, it. Yet. Kings of the Dragons. That'll be our next. We'll do that next year. Whatever it is. I mean, it's pretty good. There's dragons in it. There's no dragons in this series. Maybe there should be. I don't know. Um, but but again, like, so I, that's what we're trying to explain. And again, the, it's sort of, this is another kind of thing I like to do, to state an obvious premise, but perhaps synthesize the obvious premise with numbers and analysis that maybe haven't been quite synthesized that way. And we'll get into the gigantic database that Nathan compiled here in a second. But I will say like there, there was a time where it wasn't like this. And I think everybody knows that, but I just did like a quick spin uh, in my story through like sort of the consensus national champions. 
And again, by our definition of North and South, in the 50s, there were four Northern titles, three in the 60s, four in the 70s, three in the 80s, four in the 90s. It's a lot of heavy lifting by Nebraska in the 90s. And then um, in the 2000s and 2010s, there are only two the whole time, and they're both Ohio State. So in a world where in, in, in the... In the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, those 50 years, there were 18 Northern titles. That's 36%. And in, since then, since 2000, there are two Northern titles out of 21. And that's or out of 22. And that's 9%. So it dropped from 36%, Nathan, to 9%. And the whole 9% is Ohio State. So I think, again, we understand the demographic shifts in the population. We understand the way the SEC has leaned into football. We understand it just means more. We understand there are more better recruits in the South. But we're just trying to sort of analyze a little more deeply what we all talk about and know all the time. And that is geography really matters in college football success. And I think it can sound like we're making an excuse for Ohio State. And frankly, like 25%, maybe we are. But it's also a reality, I think, that we're trying to acknowledge that while nobody would ever say, oh, well, Ohio State can't ever be Bama. They shouldn't try to be. It doesn't matter if they lose to Bama all the time. That's okay. That's not what we're saying. But we're also saying it's different. It's just different. I don't know if anyone would necessarily say that we're like making excuses for Ohio State or you could. You could, because you can also say, I mean, we're the ones declaring them the kings of the north, even after they just lost to Oregon and Michigan last year, two other programs in the north, and Cincinnati also made the playoffs. So I, people, I guess, could throw claims from anyway. But like that sort of arbitrary, um, going by the decades, the one thing that also happened around the end of the '90s and the start of the 2000s was a change in how the championship was decided every year in college football. And now it is not electing a king by vote. It is electing a king or it's not electing a king. They have to, you have to go win it on a field. And that happens both within the North now in some ways, but also obviously in college football in general. So it's no longer a thing where like Penn state goes undefeated. So it gets just as much claim to whatever happens in the south somebody going undefeated like those two teams still have to meet somewhere and play to decide who is the national champion so again in in trying to this is a theory story a theory that then we applied interviewing and research to so in the process of that i regurgitated the theory onto somebody and said like hey what do you think how many northern teams can legitimately win national titles and they, the person I was talking to was like, ho, 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 Like, I'm not having an on-the-record conversation about this because it's just not going to do anybody any good, right? Like, I'm not, like, you know. But then we talked, and this person who's around, in and around college football on a national level, I said, well, how many, how many Northern teams can win national titles? And Stephen, that person said, one and a half. And the one and a half meant Ohio State and the very, 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 very best of Notre Dame. And I think it might even be like a Notre Dame that we have not yet seen. 
because like the Brian Kelly version of Notre Dame was very good. But Nathan, as you were noting, like all these teams that get to that level from the north and get their doors blown off. Every time Notre Dame has gotten to that level under Brian Kelly, they've gotten to the national stage, to the southern stage and look like they didn't belong. Stephen, that general idea, one and a half, what do you think of that number of northern teams that can win it all? I like it, but let's ask that question in three years after Marcus Freeman has established this program. And since we're going to include USC in the north at this point, even if they are in Southern California, which is literally in the name of their school, then that number probably goes up to three even, or at least two and a half. But for the right now, it makes sense. Because I do think, Nathan, like, even Michigan and Cincinnati last year, and then we've sort of talked about this before. I don't know that anybody at Michigan and Cincinnati was like disappointed by that season. That was a spectacular, and they were. But if Ohio State would have a season where it reached a semifinal and then lost convincingly to a Southern team, Ohio State fans and the program itself wouldn't be like, wow, that was a great season. There'd be a little dis- disappointment to that. But I think Michigan and Cincinnati view it differently, Nathan, because they're not in that group of one and a half. And it doesn't mean that Michigan can never win another national championship. It doesn't mean Penn State or Wisconsin or Oregon can never win another national championship. But, Nathan, I don't think that's what they walk around thinking about every day. You know, I actually think what they would walk around thinking about is, let's be the kings of the north. But Ohio State walks around thinking every day about beating Bama, Georgia, Clemson. And being the kings of the north is something they must be to get there, but I, I I don't think that's an I don't think that's a Homer view, I don't think that's an unrealistic view, and I don't really think it's an insult to Michigan or Penn State or Wisconsin or Oregon or Cincinnati or everybody else. I think it's just kind of the way it is. But and again, like the, the results bear it out. Like how uh, there's one team that separates. There's one team that can say they have done these things that no other team from the North has done no team from the upper Midwest or the great plains or the Northwest or, or certainly in the Northeast. Like this is, this is where it happens is at Ohio state. And this is, it's, it's an interesting exercise to do with college football as opposed to, for instance, college basketball, because when you think about in basketball, you can have, you can have what are more accurately called, I'm not calling them fluke champions, but you can have something that looks more like a fluke championship in basketball. We're like, well, that team got hot at the right time. That team was like an eight seed in the NCAA tournament, and it just went on a run. And and that was the, the, the month that they just put it together and they were good. Whereas in football, like go back in football, like the annual national champions. And how far do you have to go back before you're like, how did that? Like, you can go back to like maybe like 1990 when it was like Colorado and Georgia Tech splitting a championship. Mm. And you're like, what was that? But like go, go in any recent history. It's just great teams from the South. USC and Texas, when they were like at their peak before they abdicated their thrones. And Ohio State, that's it. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll sort of dig into a lot of the numbers. Nathan crunched a boatload of numbers for this. We'll talk about that next on the Kings of the North edition of Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means. Be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. Again, we're giving you a couple extra Buckeye Talks this week. We will probably on the Wednesday show, hopefully really announce officially what this extra Buckeye talk per week is going to be. 
Um, we had a meeting about it Monday. I was like shouting. I was so excited about it. So we're really fired up about where we're going. Uh, you know, I just sent out a, like a, a tweet to remind people like, hey, if you haven't tried Buckeye Talk, we know, you know, if you're here, you've tried it. Certainly appreciative of it. Just as this point of the year, it's like, here we go. And thanks for going with us because, man, it's Notre Dame and Ohio State on Saturday night. Like, how does it get any better than that? So 614-350-3315, two-week free trial on the text if you want to be super, super duper involved with Buckeye Talk. Nathan, do you hate the database? Have you grown to hate it? Is it your enemy? Or do you love it? Like you birthed it. Like you think this is my baby. You have two babies. You have Bennett and you have database. And and database Baird. Yeah, database Baird, DB Baird. And you love Bennett and you love Bennett more, but DB Baird is, you know, not nothing. Why don't you talk about it? Explain your love, explain your hate, and then tell people what it is we're talking about. So I want to make sure that we acknowledge our boss, Dave Campbell, who did a lot of work with this, um, who's been, who is supporting this project from the beginning. And I, many months ago now, went back through and took the top 100 from the 247 composite for the 10-year period between 2012 and 2021, because we basically were starting this uh, as it was going to be very current for 2021, and then things kept getting pushed back. But that that decade, the top 100 players, so it's a thousand players. And we had to put in, you know, name, position, um, originating location and what region that school that they were from and then what school they ended up at and what region that was from. So a lot of things that you could search by. And so at first it, that was kind of tedious. But then there was a while where I just had this spreadsheet. And the earliest version of what people can read tomorrow that I wrote was me going through and just meticulously hey, today as you're listening to it Tuesday yes, morning today as Tuesday you're listening morning, to it um, meticulously going back through and figuring out some of these numbers myself and then Dave eventually took it and ran it through something and now we have a searchable database that everyone can use including me so then I got to go through and like refine my numbers and get better numbers and now I kind of do love it because I think and I think our readers are going to love it too that you can just go through and and see of a breakdown of like you can you would guess like oh how many players came from the south or came from california or whatever ended up in the north and you can do that search now and see it where those which teams got those players and it, it a lot of times it's going to confirm what you already ex- suspect but it's interesting to see it really get um just given to you in such black and white terms so Along those lines, then, was Ohio State significantly better at pulling players? And again, we, we broke this. We're talking sort of kings of the north. We did do three regions. We did north, south, and southwest. Because I think culturally in college football and just like I think culturally in society, I think there is a distinction. I don't think Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Florida, Louisiana is the same as Texas, Arizona, California, right? I, I don't think it is. Yeah. Now, but the point is, it's warm, and you can play football year-round, and there are more good players in the backyards of the schools that are there. But that was why we did break off south, southwest, north. There is clearly a cultural connection in the southeast, right? The one that's a little bit looser is that connection in 
from that region that goes from Texas to California, right? Yeah. That's a little bit looser, but I also I don't know how else to necessarily break up the country because Texas doesn't really belong in the South and they've, they, it has to go somewhere. So I think we, I, I liked what we came up with and there are some States where I mean, Missouri, uh, Virginia. Yep. Can't remember if we did it with Kentucky or not. I don't the think States so. in half by County. Yeah. So we were like down to the County, like which counties above this line in this state, they go to the north below this line in, in that state they go to the south and it that made for some interesting decisions a couple places but but yeah if you look across here you know the reason ohio state has had the reason ohio state succeeds like a school from the south is because it looks like a school from the south with its roster or it looks more like one i shouldn't say it looks like one from the south but it looks more like one than any other northern team and it's not even close so in that 10 year period there were a hundred players from the South or Southwest that ended up in the North and which is mostly obviously Southeast Texas, California, some other places, but most a hundred of those ended up in the North. 18 went to Oregon, 15 went to Notre Dame, but more went to Ohio state than those two schools combined. 34 of them went to Ohio state. So just right there tells you how significant the difference is that Ohio state would get more top 100 prospects in that decade from the South and Southwest than Oregon and Notre Dame combined, who were the next two on the list. Do you know what Michigan was? I don't have that in the the data right in front of me. I was going to get to another note with Michigan here in a second. But let me, let me ask Steven this. This is the kind of thing, Steven, not that these people don't know this. I'm not, I'm not pretending that the people inside the programs aren't aware of this stuff, but would you not, if you're Marcus Freeman and you're trying to be the Kings of the North, and Notre Dame's at, what was it, 38 or 34? And Notre Dame's at 15, right? Stephen, wouldn't you slap that on the wall of the recruiting office in South mm-hmm. Bend? And yeah. wherever Michigan is, which is way behind, and wherever Michigan State or Penn State or Wisconsin are, which is way behind, wouldn't you slap that on the wall of the recruiting office and say, close this gap? If I was Marcus Freeman, that would have been one of the first things I did in the recruiting meeting because – well, then, because if not, what are you doing here? I don't, I don't know if like Michigan and Penn State and you know Iowa and all those schools can do it with their current you know coaching staffs because those guys are just kind of rolling along as it is. But when you first take over a program in the North, yeah, that's like the first thing you should be doing is it's almost what Urban Meyer did when he went and watched that national championship game between Alabama and Notre Dame. He said, "This is where we are." I'm at one spot, and this is where the rest of the teams are trying to compete with are at a much higher level. So we need to figure out a way to get from here to here. So, yes, that's probably one of the first things Marcus Freeman did, which is why it was such a big deal when Notre Dame's recruiting class for the past six months has been a lot of as the number one class in the country, even if with context, some other programs hadn't gotten started yet. I just used our database to quickly determine that Michigan got nine in that, Look at that plug the south and southwest and, and so, what was the ohio state again what was the ohio 30, state number 34 34 to 9 almost I, four times as many can we officially refer to the database as db baird sure I, I like that idea right <laughs> and again we want to give credit to dave we could i mean we could call it um it was the db cam baird or something so um so i do think and, and it's one of those things that sounds like aspirational but again and maybe Oregon's different. It's like one of these things. You can try to you try to group anything together, and then you immediately go to the exceptions. Well, Oregon has Phil Knight. Oregon has all those. But how did Mario Cristobal build up Oregon? 
they they went to Southern California and invaded yeah. Southern California while USC was down. Where do you think Kayvon Thibodeau came from? He didn't yeah. come from Eugene. Yeah. He's from LA, man. Like that's it's it's the same version. So you could pretend and listen, you know, they, they they were doing that a little bit before Mario too, but but like that's you can pretend that it's impossible and that you can't do it. But I, you're capping yourself. You're relegating yourself. You're limiting yourself if you're like, well, you know, top 100 guys from the South, we're never going to get them. And it's like, okay, but guess what you're also never going to do? Win a national championship. So, you know, Minnesota and Iowa State and Washington State and Boston College, because all these, everybody that's North, right? They're, okay, they're not going to win a national championship. But if you're at Penn State, are you going to tell your fans? Yeah, we can't do it. It's too hard. We can't do it. It's like, okay, then. Then you're not who you once were, because we just we have to live in the world, which is why when they briefly had Justin Fields committed, a five-star quarterback from Georgia, it was like, a game changing event for Penn state and they didn't hold on to him, but that's it. Nathan, it's just, I, I mean, we can't, you can make excuses for the programs that don't do it, but it's reality that you have to. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we're talking only about top 100 prospects. So you can still get, this doesn't include, you know, here, here's an example. Uh, so we're talking about getting players from the Southwest and how Oregon, obviously Oregon should get more players from California in the Southwest than Ohio state does. And it did in that decade. It got 17 compared to 16 for Ohio State. But where Ohio State is becoming king of the North, and especially king of the Big Ten, is that Ohio State, those 16, were twice as many as Notre Dame got and nearly double the combined total of all the Big Ten teams. Michigan got five, Nebraska got two, Illinois and Minnesota got one each from the top 100 in that decade from the Southwest, which again, is mostly California and Texas is who we're talking about there. Like that alone tells you just where they're separating as far as being able to go out and uh, appeal to players. It's not like Illinois doesn't know who the good players in California and Texas are, but there's really only one program that appeals to players from coast to coast at that level that's in the North. There is one of those. I, I don't know, Stephen. There's more recruiting stuff that we're going to get into with your section, but there's sometimes you hear this stuff. And if you were Brett Bielema, I don't know, wouldn't would you just send your offensive coordinator to go sit on a Texas or Arizona or Louisiana or Georgia or California quarterback from the time from his sophomore year on and live on his street and love him up more and make every NIL promise in the world and dedicate everything you're doing to go get a singular guy from an area that you're not normally successful, that might have a chance to change a program. Like what? And yeah, you can do that with a kid from Wisconsin or Ohio or Pennsylvania or Maine or North Dakota too. But you know, there's more of them in the South and Southwest. I don't know. Like should the, if Brett Bielema reads this series, is he should he shrug and be like, what do you want me to do? Or should he take it to heart and try to do something about it? I think the idea of just going and sitting on a kid in the South, while I get your sentiment, it's a 
bit of an, I mean, yeah, literally sit on him. It's um, yeah, that, that made the fun visual. Brett Bielema just going and sitting on some kid in the salad. Yeah. I'm Illinois. Um, it's an oversimplification to the problem. And I'm glad you brought up Justin Fields because Keeley's kind of the same situation there where Penn State found Justin Fields before the world found Justin Fields. And so, yeah, it's easy to lock in on that kid from Georgia when he's, first of all, he hasn't blossomed yet. And so it, it is kind of a hidden gem, which is you do get those stories sometimes at these lower level programs because the kid's a little bit of a late bloomer. The problem happens typically from their junior year to senior year where they're hitting all the camp circuits. And now everybody knows about him and he's no longer the best kept secret in your recruiting class. He's the number two player in the country. He's a five-star recruit who also lives in, they'll even say that it's like, I loved Penn State, but Joe Moore had left, plus all these SEC schools started calling. And this is a kid who grew up in SEC country, and it's kind of the same thing with Keon Keeley right now. Keeley was not the number one edge rusher in the country when he committed to Notre Dame. He was a borderline top 100 recruit, which means that you can always get that guy who is the 16th best player in Florida. He might be the 125th best player in the country, but he's not going to Florida because Florida's got two through seven from the state, so it can – afford to lose other guys now that he's a five-star the top tier programs are going to come get him so there is a fine line that some of these programs have to walk of you want a kid to reach his potential but you want him signed before he starts reaching that potential and that doesn't happen enough with guys like justin fields and keon keelys and you know even like chris olave like had chris olave not had to sell his junior season maybe he's not at ohio state but i think brett bielema would also say i mean listen you know, we've talked before about this concept of like the NFLization of college sports and college football. The one thing that's never going to happen, the one aspect that's never going to creep down into college football is parity. That it just doesn't exist. Like there's never going to be a thing where like the NFL is almost designed for everybody to go like nine and seven or seven and nine. And then like this, the eight best nine and seven teams make the playoffs. And then we decide a champion. Like that's never going to be, that's not what college football is. So for Brett Bielema and for uh, Jeff Brom and for uh, probably to some extent, Mel Tucker, although they obviously had a good year last year, but like it's your job is to overcome the one program that can do this whenever you can, however many opportunities you get to do that. I was looking uh, since I said before, 34 players from the South and Southwest, 34 top 100 South and Southwest that went to Ohio state in that decade. What percentage of the total that went to the Big Ten do you think that makes up? Top 100 players from the South and Southwest over a 10-year period going to teams from the Big Ten? Uh, more than half, 55%. Uh, I was going to say more like 38%. 65%. Those oh. 34 signees are 65% of the – so two-thirds of the – players the top 100 prospects from the south and southwest that went to the big 10 over a whole decade went to ohio state and that's not obviously the only way you can win but when you consider that more top 100 prospects come from the south and southwest it's a huge part of how you win and especially if we're because now we're not even really talking anymore that's just how that that you move right past the fact that that's how ohio state builds its dominance within the big 10 and then it just jumps up to that and then what are they doing after that? This is their only chance to do anything beyond that. And I do think, again, we're, we, listen, we're just, we're just three guys and a boss trying to do our best. We did, we zeroed it on top 100. But I do, I do think maybe what we're talking about is 
Drew Brees was from Texas. He wasn't top 100 recruit because he was a little short, but Joe Tiller and Purdue went down and got him, you know, back in the day. And again, this is the thing. You can change your stripes a little bit. You know, it's what, Jim Tressel wasn't getting top 100 players from the South. You know, San Antonio, San Antonio Holmes was from Florida. He's a three-star. Brian Roll was a linebacker from Florida. He was like a three-star. When, when Jim Tressel was getting Florida guys, a lot of times they were getting the 28th best player. Michael Jenkins is from Tampa. He wasn't a five-star recruit, you know? But so it, it is one of those. Um, but if you're not, and everybody is, everybody's in Florida, everybody's in Texas, but frankly, they probably should be there more, like even more. However much Flor- uh, Minnesota and Illinois and Indiana and Michigan State and Rutgers and Utah and Oregon and Iowa State are recruiting Texas, California, Arizona, Georgia, Louisiana, Florida, they should do more. Like you, you can't do, you can't do enough. And so, um, it is this this regional crossover as part, Nathan. That was a lot of what you were doing is we were sort of establishing these regions. We were establishing what schools are in the regions. It's about half of the power 65 are in the north. And then we were doing like who's successfully crossing borders in the recruiting. Who in the north is pulling people from the south and southwest, which is how do you beat the south? You get guys from the south to come to your team so then you can take them back to try to invade. So that was what we were trying to do here with the best of the best of the best of the best. And in the end, Nathan, it's again, duh. You can put a big duh, however many H's, D-U-H-H-H, exclamation point over the top of this series. But you still love D.B. Bear because duh, but also information, Buckeye talk. And, and it's the obvious brought to life in a very specific systematic way. So we'll sign this off with one more thing from DB Baird, which is where is Ohio state making a huge national, like what position specifically is Ohio state making a huge national impact quarterback. They've gone to Georgia to get Justin Fields, although that was through the portal. So it doesn't even really, that doesn't even isn't included in the numbers that we're looking at here, but you know, CJ Stroud, um, Dylan Riola, Devin Brown, like Cal McCord is now the exception that they Jack weirdly Miller, take, right? Jack Miller, JT so Barrett, weirdly taking one northern quarterback in this whole elongated period. Well, it's because there aren't very many good top 100 quarterbacks from the north, or there, there are less. Uh, there have been 77 top 100 quarterbacks in that decade, and only 21 of 21 of them, so 27 percent, originated from the north, and a third of them went south or southwest. So and there were there were years, I think there were a couple of years, uh, 2014 and 2020, the North didn't have a single top 100 quarterback in 2012 and 2017. There was only one top 100 North quarterback in those classes. So if that's the year where you absolutely need a quarterback and you want to play at the level Ohio State wants to play at, you've got to be able to go to California or Georgia or Arizona or wherever and compete for that quarterback, Um, because that if you don't, the other team that you're going to play for the national championship will have that quarterback or he'll have the guy who grew up just down the street from him. Who's also great. It's not those, that difference making position very, 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 very rarely comes out of the North. And it's just a reminder, Stephen, of how Clay Helton just drove the USC program into this, into the Pacific division. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Like, cause, cause I like, it's just, it's harder. Ohio state has to go do this. USC is like, they're sitting right 
there. They're right <laughs> there. Nothing will ever be for, more forgivable, unforgivable than the 2020 class having the top three quarterbacks in that class all being basically from Los Angeles, California, growing up within like a 30 minute radius of each other and all of them coming east to play football. It's the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. So, okay. On that note, we'll take our last break. We'll come back with part three and like kind of roughly speaking, it was sort of past, present, future a little bit. Like what's the deal? How did it get here? And, and is it going to stay this way? So Steven, you're kind of the ghost of Christmas future. Um, the recruiting ahead. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Stephen, part three is going to drop on Wednesday as it stands now. That's the plan. And let's just do a quick little caveat here. Uh, sometimes at cleveland.com slash OSU, a lot of our stories are free, but not all of our stories are free because we don't work for free. So there's a lot of other websites where you can't read anything if you don't pay for it, or you can read less, a, a fewer, a smaller amount of things than you can read at our site for free. Um, at the very least, my first story was behind a paywall was for cleveland.com subscribers. That's just the way it is. And now here we are on a free podcast, basically describing what our stories are. So um, if you go to read it and you really want to read, because there's even more information, in all three of these stories, if you go to read it, there might be one or two or all three of the stories that are for cleveland.com subscribers, but that's where we are and we have to get paid. And for us to get paid, our company has to make money. And so um, that's the deal. And if you want to go pay to read these stories, you're our best friends. If you're listening to these podcasts, you're already our best friends, but then like you're, you're this, you're sleepover friends. If you, let's just do that. Let's just do that. If you, if you subscribe to cleveland.com because of the Kings of the North series, your name will be entered in a drawing to sleep over at Nathan's house. Mm, I like that. And also uh, something else that we could call that is babysit Bennett Baird. That's another thing that we could call that <laughs> as a prize. Nathan and his lovely wife will go out and have a date night. Maybe, maybe, st- maybe go out and stay in a hotel and you will get to sleep over at Nathan's house, but you'll get to sleep over with his real baby and with DB Baird. So you can sit in Nathan's in his bed right now. If you subscribe at cleveland.com slash OSU to read the Kings of the North series, you can be entered in a drawing to win the chance to sleep in Nathan Baird's bed while you read his database. Nathan, do you agree to that? You know, and it's really not that 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 sounds like you're 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 forcing people into something, but really this kid sleeps pretty well now from like eight PM to hopefully like six AM before you start squawking. So you can get a pretty good night of sleep now. And you know what? The real baby sleeps very well. The database baby, that never baby sleeps. never sleeps. Never. never. Buckeye talk. Oh yeah. DB Baird never sleeps. All right, Steven, describe part three of the Kings in the Row series that you've written. Yeah. So I use, as I was explaining earlier, just the different types of programs. And it's basically coming down to like who can best threaten Ohio state and this Kings of the North stance and this crown that they have and who can make it, un- who can make it uncomfortable and who can just flat out take it. So 
I'll give you one example, two examples of the types of people. I don't want to give too much of away because mine's not is the only one who's not out yet. As we were listening to this podcast, I used Penn State. I used Iowa. I used Penn State losing Julian Fleming, using Kyle McCord, and losing Marvin Harrison Jr. to Ohio State. You helped Ohio State's costs because you didn't take care of your backyard, but then you also lost them to the king. That's while you take a team like Iowa with Xavier Wampa and Caden Proctor, those are a five-star tackle and a top 100 safety. They didn't lose to the king, which means they hurt the king because that's also two spots where Ohio State drastically needed players at that position in those respective recruiting classes. And so using those examples of how do you impact the king if you are not necessarily able to be a king yourself, First of all, you take care of your backyard. Second of all, if you can't take care of your backyard, you, you make sure that they don't go join the kingdom because then they have, they, they're helping the kingdom and they're eventually going to come back and bite you in the butt. While with Iowa, they get to play the Rondell Moore role. Uh, we saw what happened in 2018. Rondell Moore being a kid who is from Indiana, stays home and plays Purdue, and then he gets on the field and he ends up biting the Ohio State in the, in the butt. From Kentucky, actually. Yeah. Well, you no, no, know. I, he, I was like looking it up. I think he's like from Indiana, but then he went to Kentucky for high school. Well, okay. yeah, maybe he came from. Yeah. He went to high school in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. You know what they call Julian Fleming growing up in the shadow of Beaver Stadium and going to Ohio State instead of Penn State? It's the Red Wedding. That's what that was. Ooh, so else do this, Nathan? Yeah. You have watched Game of Thrones, right, Nathan? Hey, of course. Yeah, yeah. The Red Wedding. That's a that's a big one. So. I think that's an interesting case because it because it is, Stephen, like sort of what we're presenting here is if you can't go out into the world. OK, Iowa, maybe you're not going to go out and get top 100 recruits from the south and southwest. Well, how can you try to knock off the kings of the north? You can win battle head to head battles in their territory. Right. And that's, I think, another part of this that maybe while Ohio State and again, there's a lot of. Right. You send all the guys and uh, John Snow and that uh, Aria Stark. Right. She's sneaky. She's out sneaking around. And then you just leave that kid who fell out the window. The kid who fell out the window. He's the only person back home because Aria and John Snow were out there battling in King's Landing. So then the other people, they have to come sneak into Starkville wherever it's called, the people who live there. And there's only the kid who fell out the window. And then, and then that big guy who holds the door open for that guy. And it's like those two people. So then you can go beat them while they're out traipsing around because maybe you're not trying to go to King's Landing. You're sneaking into Starkville while they're gone, Nathan. Oh, it's all coming together. It worked. This series worked. Thank you, George R.R.R.R. Martin. I would do, can we do that? I I have done the thing. They had that Big Ten commercial where it was like all the, they went through the Big Ten network. They went through the Big Ten cities. Yeah. And they like, now they got to add like like California corn. Well, there's like the corn stalks popping up and then they, and then they went all the way and they they had the Statue of Liberty is a Big Ten thing now. And they had that. And did you ever see it where people put the Game of Thrones music to that video, which is what this is? Because it all, it's like Iowa is like, hey, Ohio State, you go leave. You're trying to go recruit Caleb Downs. And here we come in the back door and we beat you for Xavier Wampa. Boom shakalaka. All right, that was it. Nathan, it's perfectly explained. Everybody gets it. Nathan, we don't have anything else to say. Don't, now, do you think we just helped Game of Thrones? Do you think HBO is like going to shout out Buckeye Talk for sending people to the show? No. No. Okay. 
I don't I know. Think they've done they've done pretty well for themselves over there. I think if if the like uh, the the Emmys and the Golden Globes and all of the other things, uh, all of the millions of people who've watched Game of Thrones hadn't got the word out yet. I, I don't know if we are moving the needle. So I know HBO doesn't do commercials, but since we're giving them so much publicity for this, one Buckeye Talk commercial right in the middle of the Dragon Show. Just one commercial is all we ask. Just put me in the show. Yeah. And, and here we go to, and here comes the dragon. Who's riding the dragon? Steven Means. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? Can you put HBO, put Steven Means on one dragon? Steven, so then the, I think the other thing that you're, so Penn State, Iowa, good examples here. Mm-hmm. But you've sort of teased this before. Is Notre Dame the threat that is looming? for this and it just makes it again super interesting that they're playing on saturday and they're playing in south bend next year and that notre dame is coached by a former buckeye yeah and they are getting even more aggressive in recruiting under marcus freeman there is a this is probably from a recruiting standpoint is this not the biggest threat in the north that ohio state has faced sort of in the modern era yeah i guess i guess since john cooper was losing ohio kids to michigan probably right yeah, like the Notre Dame aspect of this is probably like the biggest benefit for my piece as far as just waiting another year to do this, just because this is a new layer. I actually wrote a story last year basically saying that Marcus Freeman has declared recruiting war on Ohio State when he was coming into Ohio and trying to steal all these guys. And the only guy he ended up getting in the 2023 class was Brandon Vernon. Uh, so Ohio State did its job there, but that's not going to stop. And that was me speaking about Marcus Freeman as the defensive coordinator and head recruiter at Notre Dame. It's a whole different ball game now that he's the head coach and he's using stuff like Jay-Z bars when he's talking to recruits for what, what he thinks Notre Dame can be. And he is a young coach just like Ryan Day is. And no, he's not a quarterback guru, but he can recruit just as well as he can. And so, I mean, he just went and got a five-star quarterback who is the grandson of Lloyd Carr, Michigan's old head coach. So he can recruit his butt off too. And so if, like I said, if I was more of the, you know, we can't beat you, but we can also keep ourselves from helping you. And Penn State is like, maybe sometimes we can beat you, but for the most part, we can't really beat you. We just got to do a good job of competing with you. Notre Dame can beat you. If they get the ball rolling there and turn themselves into the, they can make themselves the king of the north. And I'll throw USC in there as well because Lincoln Riley is basically trying to do at USC in the West what Ryan Day has done in the Midwest with Ohio State. And so now it adds that new element that wasn't necessarily there a year ago of before it was how can anybody slow down Ohio State? Now we have the element of who can actually beat Ohio State. And there's two answers to that question. I still think Notre Dame's going to wind up in the Big Ten sooner than later. But Nathan, yeah. even if they don't, I think it's relevant because what we're talking about, like the playoff spot, the fact that they are have a chance to beat Ohio State head to head for recruits that would help Ohio State and will now help Notre Dame instead. Notre Dame matters to Ohio State because, again, I think when you think of sort of the the stature, the tradition, how they view football, how they view the university and what their top end ability is. Listen, Michigan is right there. Michigan, I I do think is right there, but I think it's fair to say that the ceiling of Ohio state is the highest and that the ceiling for Notre Dame is higher than Michigan's and that the ceiling for Notre Dame might be closer to Ohio state ceiling than Michigan ceiling. It's not a shot at Michigan. And if somebody disagrees, I would love to hear that argument. Um, You might be right, 
But I, th- I think that's why Notre Dame matters because I think Notre Dame, especially under Marcus Freeman, can maybe go to a place recruit from a recruiting from a, a recruiting stature, from a recruiting juice standpoint that maybe Michigan just won't ever get to on a consistent basis. Well, I mean, just look at the results again. Like Notre Dame has more consistently just in the playoff era. I'm not saying they were doing it every year. They haven't done it as much as Ohio State, but at least they've been able to like multiple times be in that mix. And they're the only other Northern school except for Ohio State that can say that. Um, I, I think you're right that they are the school that has a relevance to Ohio State. It, it, it's it, it's different because like Michigan, ha- Michigan can still be a part of this as we saw last year by just winning that head-to-head game with Ohio State. But when you're talking about who could take that that title over a longer period of time? It Notre Dame is the only other school in the North that can do it. I think, and and I do think in the end, and and maybe we can wrap it up on this, Stephen. That Clemson and Georgia and Alabama being good that just makes it more difficult for Ohio State because Ohio State has other good teams to beat theoretically on the way to trying to win a national title. It does feel like Notre Dame being good would be a little more significant for Ohio state because they're squeezing them out of their territory a little bit. I don't, I don't know, right. That even whether it's recruiting head to head for kids in the Midwest or whether it's going South or Southwest for a kid, and trying to, it's like, hey, you got to get on a plane, right? As long as, okay, this yeah. kid's willing to get on a plane. Well, now if he gets on a plane, he can go to Columbus, but he could also go to South Bend because that's pretty attractive too. I don't know. It just, they're they're more similar to Ohio State, which I just think would ding Ohio State a little bit more the more battles Notre Dame wins, where as much as Clemson is good and we love the Ohio State-Clemson rivalry, if Clemson beats Ohio State for a recruit, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It just doesn't feel like you. I think you'd say, okay, Clemson beats Ohio state for a recruit in the South. It's like, okay, well, I don't know what, I mean, yeah. But if Notre Dame beats Ohio state for a kid in the Midwest or a kid in the South, I think you'd feel it more if you're an Ohio state fan or if you're an Ohio state member of the program. With Southern teams doing it. I mean, regardless of whether that happens or not, it still comes down to one game. Once you get on the field and let's just figure it out from there with Notre Dame or a Northern team doing it, it feels a little bit more about like where the programs are, because as we kind of talked about at the beginning there, it's one thing to lose when you're down in King's Landing, but you were already there. You just lost that game. Okay. They were better than you that day. It's another thing. If every year you can't even get down to King's Landing because on your journey there, Notre Dame got your way and they were better than you. I know there are people listening to this, thinking this now game of Thrones fans who are Ohio state fans, but we are getting to the point where it is very tempting to start trying to assign Ohio state people to Stark family members, and then trying to assign the people who are against the Starks, other people in the big 10 or around the country. So Clemson is definitely the Lannisters because they were the villains and every Ohio state fan hates Clemson at this point, because Dabo is definitely Cersei Lannister. Dabo is Cersei. That's interesting. One hundred percent Cersei. Okay, is that that's mean, what we should have been doing for the past few means, years? All this research is irrelevant. We should have just been inciting people from Game of Thrones to college football people and then put it out. Is Brent Venables Jamie? 
And that's how we're trying to describe how much does it hurt Dabo to lose Brent Venables. It's like, imagine Cersei without Jamie. And then the other one, the, the, I forget, Peter Peter Dinklage's character is Tony Elliott. It's Tony Elliott. And like, okay, we could, we could go too far with this because you're starting to figure out like, well, who's, who's Ned Stark? Who's Arya? Who's, Jon Snow, who's the other guy? Who's the guy? Who's Bran? JT Barrett's Ned Stark because when he went up against the South, he got shut out. <laughs> oh, that's true. See, we don't want to give away. We don't want to do spoilers. But then there's the guy with the mean dogs. He's mean. That's probably, that's like, that might be Harbaugh in the mind of Ohio State fans, right? The guy with the mean dogs. Um, there's the guy, <laughs> there's the guy who like has something cut off, like that guy. Who's that? Okay. That might be Bielema. Okay, so we're going to stop there. We're going to stop there. We're going to stop there. But if somebody wants to do Photoshop things and then on Twitter put out photos of the heads of Ohio State people on the bodies of Game of Thrones characters, I mean, we're not going to complain. It'll promote, it'll promote the series. So it's the Kings of the North. It's a three-part series at cleveland.com slash OSU. Go there and see if you can read it. And I mean, we just, it would be great. We're not, I mean, we're not, we're not telling you not to subscribe. We're just telling you how it works. And, you know, you get a whole cornucopia stuff when you subscribe at cleveland.com to our whole website. We also understand there are some people who listen to us who might really care about our Ohio State football coverage who aren't particularly interested about what else happens in Cleveland because you're not from Cleveland. So we get it. Um, But the podcast is free. And so you just got all that. So we were happy to talk about it. We're happy that it's done. I'm a big checkmark person, Nathan. And this feels like a big checkmark for us because I would have, I have like a story list on my bulletin board of things and Kings of the North has been up there for four years and to either be able to draw a line through it or put an X next to it or to draw a little box and put a checkmark in it. I find very satisfying. No, I'm the same way. I, I like to cross things off of lists and, 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 and like make progress that way. It's, it's very satisfying. But also, this is, I don't think the last you'll hear of Kings of the North. I think this is something that we could also revisit down the line with other reporting and other perspectives as you get later in this season, as we go into next season. I think it's a topic that's going to stay relevant because either Ohio State is defending this kingdom or it's losing its grip. And that's going to keep playing out in the years ahead. And I do think, Stephen, we have this great illustration that was done for the series, which is kind of like a it's almost like a games of Game of Thrones looking Brutus. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of spooky looking. So just the opportunity to maybe place that atop other stories. If we we would like to, as Nathan said, consider this Kings of the North theme where applicable. If we're writing about Ohio State, Wisconsin, if we're writing about Ohio State, Michigan, if we're writing about Big 10 teams going up against the SEC. I just like spooky Game of Thrones Brutus, and I'd like to see more of him. I just think a lot of work went into the story. And, um, yeah, we just need to keep promoting it, especially if this team does, at least what I predicted them to do in our game picks, go, I mean, our playoff picks, go to cleveland.com slash OSU to see those. Then it becomes almost more relevant by the week, whether it's the regular season or we get to a playoff. And, and it's really interesting that, and I even sort of forgot the Oregon part of it last year, that they lost to two Northern teams last year and were usurped in their own state by another Northern team. But they're basically, they're dealing with, they've all the best Northern teams they've dealt with in the last two years. 
because Oregon's yep. certainly up there. Cincinnati made its name. And now this year they're playing Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. So, yes, the whole college football world is having a gigantic Ohio State-Alabama conversation right now. That is the conversation in college football. And at some point this week at cleveland.com slash OSU, we'll aggregate all the national picks from around the country and try to come up with, okay, we found 38 national people. Here's how many picked Ohio State. Here's how many picked Alabama. Here's who picked an Ohio State-Alabama national championship game. But in the end, Nathan, the eyes are on the south, but the lurkers are in the north. And Ohio State is dealing with all of them this year. And la- oh, man, I should have put this in my story. And last year illustrates it. If you don't defend your crown in the north, you don't even get to go against the south. And you cannot Notre Dame, Notre Dame being part of it magnifies it, but also they don't always play Iowa and Wisconsin. They're getting them both this year. So this is a and there's no Nathan, sometimes there is that big, there's like no the so, the southiest team they play is Arkansas State this year. This is not a southern schedule. This is, the, the, you know, they're not dip, they're not playing Miami, which they've played. They're not playing Oklahoma or USC or Texas. They're playing Bama in five years from now. They're not playing Bama in the regular season now. Nathan, this is the regular season is a test for supremacy in the north. And if Ohio State gets through it and keeps the crown, then and only then will they have the opportunity to try to invade the South. Oh, again, we wrap it up. Series, podcast, game of Buckeye Talk. I'm going to put that song instead of the Buckeye Talk song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, don't do that because we would rather not get sued. Oh, that's right. I'll just sing it. Nathan, you, you, you say the end part, Nathan, say the last thing you want to say, and then say the thing for all three of us and then say the thing and I'll bring it, I'll bring in the music. Well, as you, it's not a Southern schedule, but it is in key ways, a Southern roster or Southwest roster. I mean, CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Trevion Henderson, Donovan Jackson, uh, Denzel Burke, Tyleek Williams, Court Williams, uh, Jordan Hancock, like all these guys coming from the South and Southwest. So in order to go to Atlanta or Scottsdale and then ultimately to Los Angeles, they're going to have to go through the roads in the Southeast and the Southwest that they already know pretty well from having to go get these players in the first place. For Chuck Lamarys, for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk.